Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
have all of you. That's one of my favorite songs by Ricky Cage, Love Divine, and I thought it was appropriate to start the morning off or your day off with a little bit more love. We are perhaps being given an opportunity to really go deeper inside and amplify the quality of this pure love that exists. I had a wonderful meeting with India this morning, and the focus on it was if you break your attachments to yourself and to others, you're going to experience what pure love is like, and it will actually come out to be a love that's quite divine. And perhaps that's what we're learning as we are all hunkered down around the world for this global pause because of COVID-19, a particular period in which we've never seen before, at least not in our generation. And if you're like me and you believe in birth and rebirth, perhaps in no other lifetime as well, because we didn't have social media, we didn't have technology that could spread an information and stories all at the same time, in less than a second, billions of people can get the same message. Now imagine when billions of people have the same thought at the same time, something's going to happen. Today I'm inviting a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Kartik Venkatachalam. I hope I did well on that. He's a research scientist in biopharmaceutical company and a practicing Roger, the meditator for over 10 years with the Brahma Kumaris. He holds a PhD in nanotechnology from the University of Kentucky. And I'm so glad to welcome Brother and my wonderful friend, Kartik Venkatachalam. Did I do okay with that? I think you should change your last name, Brother. Yes. Good morning, Sister Jennifer. <laughs> Do your American friends have a hard time with your name, too? Oh, yeah. They almost treat it like a name of a disease. <laughs> it almost sounds like your last name sounds like it could be a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm yeah. so glad you could join us this morning. I know you're a research scientist, and so tell us a little bit about how you became interested in spirituality and meditation. Usually the two don't connect, at least not in these times. Actually, the opposite is true in my case. Since I was a teenager, my grandfather was part of the Theosophical Society, and so I had access to a lot of spiritual books at home, at my grand place, whenever I went there. He just lived like three miles away from my place. Most of my weekends were spent there. So part of growing up, I had access to these wonderful spiritual books. He used to have spiritual discourses because of his knowledge in all the Vedas and Upanishads. Also, he had tact of explaining it to others. So I was fortunate enough to be in a family like that. And so I had these spiritual books. And so I always connected the spirituality and science because they always talked about energy. So that's what made me curious. And then I stepped into the Brahma Kumaris for the first time in 2008. I came to McLean, Virginia. And then I heard you talk about the same thing. I uh, see that the Brahma Kumari teachings were in very close connection with what I believed when I was a teenager. So it really struck me and stayed with me. It's been a beautiful journey. I'm always amazed by individuals who share with me that from they were young, they were born into this natural family of spirituality. Do you feel like a lot more is expected from you because you were born with that setting? Yes. So we had two things always focused definitely on our behavior. The other thing was education. So these were the two things that were stressed more and more. I never grew up with any thought of making money or whatever. Uh, these, you need to 
behave and you need to study <laughs> so these are the ground support systems the families wouldn't support you if you didn't do this so listen the coronavirus is dominating the world right now what are your thoughts about all of this and what do you think it's teaching us teaching us to be humble and respect nature it's teaching us not to abuse them for example just be a vegetarian i would really say that learning curve and the, the faster we learn and the faster we will be able to adapt we will be able to survive this good answer explain to us in down to earth terms what is a coronavirus and what's the difference between that and covid-19 there are a lot of forwards and online materials where you could see how a coronavirus looks so if you really look at all these coronavirus they are having a shape of a head with a crown and the crown or the viral proteins that are on the surface of the virus so if you just see it like a crown under microscope so the word corona so you know spanish means crown basically is a family of viruses which has crowned like viral proteins and the covid-19 is a particular strain of that virus by strain it's just like a flu virus where every season you have a different strain of flu that you may not be protected against this one seems to be spreading as flu but also is virulent because they have the potential to make you very very sick Yeah, the deaths are increasing as we go by, but at least in some places it's decreasing, which is good to know. I just heard that India is also extending their lockdown to May 3rd, I believe. Prime yeah. Minister Modi is definitely taking that very seriously. So can you explain to our listeners why is a virus, especially this one, so infectious? And does a virus have a particular lifespan? Yeah, so... let's say you send like a single person into a community and each time he enters a house he can multiply then you have copies of him so you have like 20 houses in a community and each time he enters a house he can multiply into like 10 more people and he's here to attack the community and so at the end of that he can destroy the whole community because he's been multiplying every house he visits the virus is kind of the same thing it's every cell it visits the cells have the capability of copying the genetic material that's how the cells reproduce so the virus is not a living organism so it doesn't have that machinery of copying itself what it does is it tactically enters the cell and then once it enters the host cell in this case it would be a human cell and particularly the cells in the lungs and also in the air tract that we breathe once they enter that cell it makes the cell copy the genetic material of the virus and multiplies each time it multiplies inside a cell when it comes out of the cell it destroys the cell because the cell overworked and overwhelmed by how much copies it has to make for the virus so it virus kind of forcing the cell to make too many copies of itself so one virus enters the cell and then when it comes out comes like 20 or 30 viruses and so overwhelming viruses come out of that cell that cell it's so overworked it dies and so that's how it starts doing that all over the place within a short span of time which is called the incubation period in the case of covid 19 
from 5 days to 14 days you have pretty bad inflammation of your lungs and you end up in the hospital from my limited knowledge the individuals that tend to be affected most by this virus are the elderly secondly maybe somebody who has had a particular health crisis or has recovered from cancer or has an autoimmune deficiency i've heard of some cases where teenagers are also getting it or healthy adults are getting it is it that we don't know if they had a health issue before why they became susceptible to it or nobody really knows why some folks don't manage the process of the virus exactly so that's what is being studied for example flu virus came in 1918 almost 102 years ago and we are still studying the flu virus just been 5 months since we got this virus there's a lot of things going on parallelly and people are trying to correlate the what they see in the hospital with the signs so that's going to take some time the problem is that there is not enough statistics to prove or disprove what you are observing yes we do observe that older people are getting victimized faster we do observe that people with pre-existing conditions are victimized but mm-hmm. we don't still have any clue when young people die when health workers die when they get that disease there are some old people who have got the disease and walked out perfectly fine so there are both things so scientists don't have the understanding yet what's really happening mm-hmm. It's been an interesting experience for the world to say the least. It's almost like an invisible enemy that comes to attack you and if you're not sensitive enough, you could fall prey to it. Let's talk about what this epidemic has revealed. Definitely in the United States for sure, we need some major mm-hmm. improvement in our global healthcare mm-hmm. system. Why do you mm-hmm. think they weren't more prepared for such an outbreak like this? it's the ease of the spread for example if you take ebola or if you take sars or if you take mers they were very much localized they were not a pandemic they were a epidemic they were very much localized to a certain geographic location spread was not easy this virus is spreading as easy as a cold but also is as virulent or as deadly as a sars or a mers it has the combination of spreading fast and also having the potential to make you very very sick that's the challenge the hospitals are not equipped to handle this kind of spread this fast with this kind of extreme care because you see in any hospital if you take the intensive care unit the percentage of bed of a icu with ventilators and all that is definitely less than the normal ward so in this case even if you have every bed with a ventilator and icu kind of setup just not practical that's the problem we are not set up that way any hospital you walk in anywhere in the world they are not set up that way to handle this kind of situation that's only possible if you can turn a whole hospital into icu it's ironic because i was remembering september 12th when they made makeshift hospitals to deal with the bodies after the attacks on the world trade building and there were no bodies mm-hmm. to put into those makeshift temples and now we mm-hmm. can't even think enough makeshift hospitals to put the bodies in because there's so many patients to deal with so it's been such a learning curve i'm sure not just for this country but for many other countries around the world 
It's a war I was hearing. We have some doctors here, too, and they were sharing what it has been like working in these particular settings. So let's say this is now allergy season. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of an itchy throat. I'm a little bit sniffly or sneezy. Maybe my head is hurting. My body aches. I have a quieter temperature. It's a flu for sure. What distinguishes the difference between a flu and the coronavirus, or are they the same thing? No, actually, the flu has cold mucus coming out of your nose. You'll have running nose. You'll have watery eyes. You may not have those symptoms with coronavirus. You may not have symptoms at all. Or if you have symptoms, you would definitely have symptoms that indicate that you have difficulty in breathing and sore throat and high fever. So definitely these are indications that you have the virus sore throat and fever. It's always good to check because you could have a strep too, but that's a bacteria. The major difference between a regular flu and a cold and this virus is that you will not have the mucus coming out of your nose and all that. Every year, thousands of people are dying of the common flu. The U.S., I think, had 50,000 last year that died of the common flu. Mm -hmm. People were dying from having a flu anyway. So are those same Mm -hmm. people also, like, is that rolling over to 2020, that if you get the corona and you do have declining health issues, that you're definitely pretty close to maybe leaving your body and going on to take another one? That is what is not known yet. Like Statistically, we report these numbers, but then for the flu, you also have antivirals and you have the vaccine. And so you have preventive and cure for flu, but you are not having the same facilities for this. And also we don't even have enough test kits that would uh, have tested everyone yet. Come up with a real number yet is challenging. Yes, it's still not clear for the public. So face mask is a big thing in the Virginia, Maryland area. We're asked now to wear a face mask when we're out in public. But there has been some conversation that don't think so much about wearing a face mask, but it's more important to strengthen our immune system. What Mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I acquired knowledge. It's not like a thing like you study for the exam overnight and then go and write the exam. It's more like what you have built over the period of years. It's more like experience. That's why immunity has to be built. It doesn't matter. You can't start building your immunity once the disease comes. Overnight. Uh, You have to, yeah, (laughs) you have to have the same healthy habits regardless whether you have the disease or not. Yeah, so now I have to stop thinking that taking my vitamin C is helping me, huh? <laughs> it, has to, it has to be like a whole build-up thing. So when do you think we will have vaccines for this particular virus? When do you think a vaccine might emerge, and what do you think would be the current treatment? So we have both the prevention and cure. The vaccine is the prevention, and cure is the antiviral medicine. A lot of people are working on both. Currently, there are almost... 78 vaccine projects that are all over the world in research phase and in phase one trials. So it will take at least another year to get the vaccine. And this is the fastest because usually vaccines take five years, 10 years to develop. So this is on a war footing. You are developing this because the way vaccines are developed are very strenuous and needs lots of resources. It needs a lot of clinical data before it's approved. 
So even if regulatory agencies approve this on a war footing, you still need safety and efficacy data for this. That's what is going to take the time of how people respond to the vaccine. Because you don't want the vaccine itself to become a problem. So the best thing is social distancing and just really isolating and not spreading the virus more than we need to. Because that's really right now the best cure, right? Or the best treatment. There are some antivirals and these are medicines that are already in the market that have proved for some populations and for some others there are different ways. Because the virus goes through a life cycle So these medicines kind of interfere with the life cycle of that virus to kill it. Those things are being tested and we have to generate the clinical data and whether it is useful or not. So those are things that's being tested right now. And so that is why they are not in a position to say, okay, this is the one that's working or there's no magic bullet yet. Now, President Trump has been touting a lot about this particular drug called hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. Is that just an Sorry. experiment that's just like it works for some people but not everyone and there's no guarantee if it's a cure for the corona or have there been cases that people have been cured by taking this particular medicine? Right now, I think in India, they are giving this medicine as part of the government's first-line defense but for some it has worked we still don't have enough clinical data to say okay it worked for everyone who took it or whatever that's where people are refraining from claiming anything we have to be cautious before we say anything because it involves public health so you cannot say this works or this doesn't work unless we have complete statistical data but definitely they have showed some improvements in case of some people and there is a clinical trial going on right now for that medicine. I hope they'll find something soon. Now there's some priority issues going on. People are talking about restoring the economy by quickly getting people back to work or public health and safety by taking a more cautious approach and not rushing to end the coronavirus containment measures. What are you on this issue? It's definitely challenging in terms of resources. Everyone agrees. I don't think anybody is denying that. But it is just that how can we make things happen? So you have seen that a lot of companies which have manufacturing capabilities have shifted their focus to either making masks or making ventilators. So definitely everybody is in this together. I think as much as we refrain from blame games and politics, it would be easier for us to execute and focus on what is needed. What does faith mean to you and how has it helped you, especially during these particular times? Yes, I always experience the Supreme to guide me and I have beautiful experiences where I have been guided on the right time at the right place to do a certain thing and later which I realized was the right thing to do. So that has built my faith more over the years. I definitely have evolved in terms of faith. And also I come from a family where you are rooted onto faith, even from your very early days. So uh, my formative years have been very much grounded to God and devotion. So now with the help of meditation, with the knowledge from Brahma Kumaris, I do see the benefits of that in the practical life every day. And so the faith is stronger. 
So when we speak about faith, what's your definition of faith? Faith is something that cannot be shaken or cannot be moved or cannot be destroyed by any single event outside that you are witnessing or you are experiencing. Faith cannot be destroyed because of these external situations. That's something internal and it's something that gives you strength and it's something that makes you move. Without faith, there would not be hope. So I think faith is that fundamental quality which is intrinsic to the soul that all the other great elevated positive things. And so how does one go about building such a stage of faith that no event or circumstance can shake them? I think you have to take the first step because unless you enter water, you can't learn swimming. You could read a lot of books about swimming, for example, but unless you step into that water and you swim, you can't have that experience of swimming and then you will be ready to teach others and also save yourself if you come into a situation where you are supposed to be drowning, but then you are floating because you have the experience. So I think faith is very similar to that and faith is built on experience and the experience will come when you step into that unknown. And a lot of people I feel that they are thinking of spirituality as a retirement program So I would say that you should start thinking about spirituality as a maintenance program, like you're brushing your teeth, taking shower, changing oil in your car, filling gas in your car, and cleaning your house. This is something like that. Once you practice spirituality, your experience will come, and the experience will make your faith stronger and stronger. So let's just say that as you're on your journey, you do meditation, you get up every day early in the morning, you study spirituality, text of the Brahma Kumaris every day, you have self to be of service in whatever capacity that you can. Has there been anything at all that has shaken you or you're just, you know, Om Shanti, who cares, move on? I mean, has anything ever shaken you? And if so, what did you do to get back on track? Everyday study and morning 4 a.m. meditation is what's keeping me grounded. So even if there is something that happens to me in the day, the next morning I'm reset from the 4 a.m. meditation and from the text that we read about what am I supposed to do or what am I supposed to think because the answer is there of why I was shaken in the first place. It's kind of a reset Every day, it's just like how we would clean our table at the end of the work. And so I think that's what we are doing. We are continuously setting things after a party. So the whole day is like a party. And then after at the end of the party, we have to restore the normalcy of how a room should look or how a place should look, kitchen should look. So we do the activities. And then after the activities are done, we do external cleaning but we don't do the internal cleaning that's needed. And the internal cleaning, when it is done daily or hourly, is going to make sure that the shaking doesn't happen because you are resetting the normalcy back to equilibrium as soon as things disturb you. I like the traffic control that Brahma Kumaris practice because every hour we do do that local reset. It's a very beautiful practice. prevents you from that shaking happening to you because you are reset and you are always ready to face that situation. So what's the main message that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? We all are 
undergoing stress but only when we have stress we would know our strength because that's what happens in the gym right so the stress is good the stress stretches you it makes sure that you are building the strength that you need you are doing things that you need it's showing you the weaknesses you have that you have to work on that's the message i have for the viewers today thank you so much been a pleasure having you on my brother I always appreciate your intellect and your intelligence and are you hosting any online programs for your meditation I know you and your family do a little meditation on a regular basis there in Chicago is there mm-hmm. any public online programs that you've got coming up in Chicago that people can connect to yeah sure we have zoom meetings nowadays so we do meditation from 5:30 to 6:30 central time every evening for betterment of the world so you can contact us at bklakecountyillinois@gmail.com bk as in brahmakumaris bklakecountyillinois@gmail.com place is lake county illinois so we are kind of 40 miles north of chicago so this is where the service is taking place or you can also call us at 859-559-3493 one more time that's 859-559-3493 perfect thank you thank you sister jana this is a wonderful opportunity and i really love the america meditating show in fact i think am show started the year after i took the course and you and remember the very first show that you did with the radio app great that how it has grown into this nice huge icon community yeah i love it too yep, i love it community too. thank yeah. you and thank you for your blessing and your friendship and please stay safe and thanks for giving us your time today thank you sister jana thank you for this hey. om shanti om shanti Wonderful information today, everyone, by Dr. Kartik Amenkathachalam. And if you want more information, you can email them at bklakecountyillinois at gmail.com. If you want to learn science and spirituality, what a wonderful blend. Wonderful, clear information today. So if you wanted to really find out more about COVID-19 and all that stuff, keep re-listening to this conversation that we've just had. Remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and we really are here to love each other the same every hour and hour pause for your traffic control create a moment of peace inside of yourself and send that out to everyone in the world remember with the meditation museum which we also run they are closed but we are offering daily online spiritual vaccine from 6:30 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. EDT So if you'd like to join us on Facebook or YouTube, please subscribe so that we don't have to email you every day. <laughs> And you can get updated. Anyway, my dear friends, take good care. Keep yourself healthy, happy, and wise. And I think I'll end the show today with Om Shanti. Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.